Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. I want to get into part two. I've actually decided that looking into the book of Nehemiah, this is, I love Nehemiah. I look back on it. I, I worked with some brick masons for a season of my life. And we know that, uh, that Nehemiah is, he, begin, he rebuilds the wall in Jerusalem. I gave you some, uh, some info the last, last Wednesday night when I actually kicked off the series and talked about this. But there's at least going to be one more Wednesday night that I'll, that I'll, uh, I'll preach on this subject and uh, but but Nehemiah, I, I love. I, I can I can view him and see him as a man of character and integrity. They're in exile. He is a Hebrew man serving in the court of Artaxerxes, a pagan king, and he is the cupbearer, which the cupbearer was an equivalent as to the chief of staff. So he had a very high um, position in the king's court, and so he. Um, he, he receives the news that the walls have been destroyed. And so Nehemiah, his heart, his heart sinks into his stomach. And uh, he begins to weep and fast. And he starts seeking a word from God. And for four and a half months, the Lord does not speak to him. But he prays and he's consistent because he, he is a career man. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. And he's not a king. But he's a career man. He's, he's a man just, uh, just like I was just thinking when working in, in, in the brick. I needed a word from God when it was time for God to say it's time to come out of this season of your life. Stay in it or come out of it. And many of us, you need a word from God. I actually, that was actually one of the, the points from last week. But uh, the Lord gives Nehemiah an assignment and he wants to go back. I, you know, I wondered to myself at times. Was it just Nehemiah's passion? Because you know what passion is where, where, where suffering meets uh, concern and there's this explosion of great passion. Christ himself, go. we call it the passion of the Christ. He suffered because he loved. Love and suffering meet and there's an explosion of passion. So Nehemiah receives the information and suffering begins. He begins to weep and mourn. It's not just a, a flash of emotion and this lets it die, but there is uh, David Wilkerson even calls it, there is this deep anguish of his spirit, and and I think that sometimes that might be lacking in the church is this the anguish, the the weeping over the souls of the lost, but not just the weeping over the souls, but maybe the just the simple state of of the hunger of people being spiritually hungry for the things of the Lord. Because we need to check our pulse: are we spiritually hungry? But Nehemiah, I wondered to myself if it was just if God put it into his heart or if he just had a passion to see it restored. And God says, you know what? I've been looking for a prophet. I've been looking for a priest. But look here. Here's a, here's a, uh, here's a king's court man. Let's just raise him up and let's send him because he'll, he's a man that will pray. I may not be able to go out and preach. I may be, maybe not be able to go out and do this, that, or the other. But I can pray. I can bring myself away from the crowds, shut myself off into the secret place, and I can touch the throne of God. That's what I can do. And from that place comes an assignment for Nehemiah. And what I want to talk about, and this is the series title, you can change it. The series title is Firm Foundation. Because for you, 
what God wants to do through you, you better have a firm foundation. We're coming into the days where you as an individual need to have a firm foundation. Yes, the local church, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to berate the local church. I love it. I love God's church, and we're getting there. People always say, the problem with the church is this. The problem with the, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. We're getting there, all right? So, but maybe sometimes it's the problem with the t- this temple of the Holy Spirit, that I need to get this right before I start talking about somebody else's temple, right? And so I want to deal with me. So my foundation has got to be firm. Well, there's some things that needs to be established. I'm just going to bank. I'm going to come piggyback off of what I preached last week. Um, and uh, I, probably by the, by the third part of this series, I will give you a list for every one of them because they're very simple just to step and to check because you need holy habits established into your life or spiritual differ, di- di- disciplines. This, we're called a disciple for a reason, but we struggle with discipline. <laughs> Don't correct me. Don't you say that. I love you enough to tell you this needs to change, right? So I need God to correct me. I need him to speak to me. I need his words that, that cut. Uh, you know, you understand the word of God is quick and powerful. And what? You know your scripture? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in other words, God's word is double-edged. As he speaks to you, he prunes you and he cuts you, and it hurts, but on the other side of that sword is healing. So God knows how to speak to you where he cuts to the quick, Chris, but on the other side he brings healing in the process. So he can cut you and heal you at the same time. We don't do it so much, right? We struggle with that one a little bit, but God's good at it. And that's what he wants to do. And with Nehemiah, I see a man that's wounded. God has wounded him with his love. And he equips him with the favor. We've been praying the blessing of God, the favor of God upon our life from the prayer of Jabez, and he sends him out. So when you look at Nehemiah, understand that Nehemiah is a type of Christ. You understand that the Old Testament was types and shadows and a foreshadowing of what was to come. So Nehemiah is a type of Christ. So, yes, you can find Jesus in every book of the Bible. So Nehemiah represents the one that we look to as Christ himself, being the one that that rebuilds broken lives and broken walls that's in people's lives to restore them back to their, redeem them better than the way he found us. So that's what Nehemiah is, is he's a rebuilder of broken homes and lives. And what should have taken anybody else 141 years to accomplish in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem took Nehemiah 52 days. That's a, we could stop there and say, man, that is a supernatural act. A working man, a career man that stepped away, got the favor of the king, stepped away, got an assignment by the supernatural power of God and begins to accomplish something that is beyond anything. But he didn't do it by himself. It wasn't a one-man show. It took, it took a crew. God, God gave him a crew. This story, I said this in the first week and I'll say it again. This story is a testimony. And a reminder that if you are trying to fix what's broken down in your own life, it doesn't take long if you will allow God to build it through and around you. If you let him do it, it'll expedite the process. But I I love the meme. It's like, okay, I gave it to God, and it's Shaq. Y'all know who Shaquille O'Neal is? And we go stand behind a tree. Literally, this is the tree. It's like, you know, he can see us hiding. And we're like, all right, God, you got that? You need some, you need some, I'm upcoming. Oh, okay, you don't need my help, right? But that's the way that we are because we don't want to hand it off to God and say, you got it, I'm going to let you have it. 
We want to take hold of it. We want to get it back again and, and, and try to help God out. God doesn't need my help. If he said, I, I've got this, I'll call you when I need you. Understand God's self-sufficient when he calls upon me to co-labor with him. It's not so that I can do it for him. It's so that he can do something through me that grows me, that matures me, and prepares me for the next season. Am I speaking too fast? I'm not nervous. I'm passionate. (laughs) So God wants to do it through me. Nehemiah 2, and this is where we're going to start. We'll pick up where we left off. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, if you got your Bibles, open up right there. And uh, it's imp- how many of you have ever read Nehemiah recently? Anybody recently? I'll have to get y'all a gift card. AJ, you telling the truth? All right, I'm, I'm kidding. All right, I'm kidding. All right, here we go, <laughs> verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Now, Nehemiah has gotten his assignment to come and start the process of rebuilding the walls. And he said, I got up in the night. This is important. I got up in the night. I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind. That is a present future tense. God is putting something right. He's downloading it as he gets up and as he's walking. So that testifies to, I've preached this before, but many of us are wanting the full load of details from A to Z, but God doesn't give it. He's waiting for you to move. You have to move, and as you step, God begins to download the rest of the plan. You got that? Because you're in the dark until you take a step. Because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's a river. I could preach on that all by itself. That as I step, he opens the path for me to see what it's going to be. And sometimes it's just one step at a time. One step at a time. But he said, for what God wanted me to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal I was riding on. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon spring. Okay, I'm going to kind of fast forward just a little bit. He's inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, broken down. They're seized, they're consumed with fire. He passes by the fountain gate, the king's pool. There was no place for his mount. So I was going up by night in the ravine and inspecting the wall. You notice he's doing a lot of inspection. Uh, Drop drop down uh, to verse 16. However, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. Nor had I yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who were doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in. That Jerusalem is desolate and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a disgrace. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable upon me, to me, and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let's arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will make us successful. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no part, no right, or memorial in Jerusalem. Now, I want to stop right there. Obviously, this is where my story is going to end tonight. Tonight. But I want to take some things that the Lord had revealed to me out of the scripture text so you can see it. And hopefully it helps you to take a step in your spiritual journey. Every one of us need to take a step tonight. Some facet, I don't care how long you've been in the kingdom of God or how little of time you've got to be in, if you've been in the kingdom. Every one of us has a spiritual next step. God is always leading us until there's no breath in your body, you still have a purpose. Do you understand me? 
I don't care what you've done, where you came from, what side of the tracks you're from, what are your, what's your socioeconomic status, it does not matter. God does not look at that. He looks at the heart of you. He sees a soul that he loves tremendously, and he sees it still having much purpose. I feel like I need to take a moment on that because some of us have been, our, our hope has been deteriorated by the voices of those around us, the Sanballats and the Tobias that don't even matter. They question when you take a step, when you go to church, when you gather with this person, the people that are right for you in your life. It does not matter what they think. It has no, it, I'm telling you, there is exceedingly great purpose on the lives of the people in this room tonight. So I want to start right here in verse 12. He says, I got up in the night, I and a few men with me, and I want to say and believe that I think these men he gathered with, with them was a circle that he, he knew them well, and they knew him well. I believe these weren't naysayers. I believe, believe that these were men he was surrounded by that were full of faith, that they trusted him and, and what he felt like the Lord had put into his spirit and was putting into his spirit. So he was very selective with his company. Um, I, I've always said this. If you don't change the people around you, you'll never change the people around you. Always pause on that so you can grab that. Because I need the cookie on the bottom shelf so I can get it, right? I don't need it up here out of the way. If you don't change the, and I don't care if they've, maybe they're people in this house, but they're just negative. They're they're a drag on you. They're a drag on where God's trying to take you. And I want to encourage you. You need to cut the dead weight. Get rid of the dead stuff. You know what? We're we're, We're New Testament Nazarites. And you know what Nazarites couldn't be around? Dead things. Dead people. I don't think you're raising it well, but Jesus, he, he encountered the man in the coffin and he interrupted the, I don't, th- that you're, I don't know that you're resurrecting the dead around some of those people that you're around. They're staying dead. They're not changing. They're not moving. They're stagnant. They're static. And God's dynamic and he's progressively trying to move you forward. Cut the dead weight and move forward. It's a word for somebody right now. But the first thing that's for, important for you to do is you got to keep your heart open. It's simple. It's elementary. You need to keep this heart open. What do I mean by that? So as he gets up and he begins to observe, he's going to inspect. And, and, and uh, I can only think because the Lord was still speaking to him. So his heart was still open. He had the assignment to go, but I feel like that the rest of it didn't come till he got up in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep to go and inspect and see. Because a great leader, and this is all of us, you can be a great leader. A great leader, look, I've already mourned, I've wept, I've already had my time. The grieving process is over for Nehemiah. Now he says it's time to arise and build. I got to go inspect. So they're not going to see me weeping. They're not going to see me mourning. Although he might have struggled when he actually laid eyes and saw the walls, how destroyed that there were. So in other words, his heart stayed open to what God continued to speak to him as he's inspecting the walls around Jerusalem. So he began to inspect, let me say this, because this is a word for us right now. It's a very simplistic elementary word, but, and I tell our staff this all the time because it's a word that I know I need to do. You have to inspect what you expect. If you leave stuff to itself and you never inspect it, Guess what? Nothing will ever change, and it won't stay excellent. God has He put an excellent spirit in, in Daniel. God put a spirit of excellence in all of us. His Holy Spirit is excellent. And so he expects us to do the very best that we can with what he's put in our hands. Your gift, your talent, your ability, what are you doing with it? Well, it's just that, yeah, but you're belittling, and it's a talent. You're going to take that one and bury it. And what's he going to do? He's going to show up and take it from you and give it to the one that has the most. 
You better do something with it. Don't bury it. So Nehemiah begins to inspect the expectations of God for the nation of Israel. That's important. He's been entrusted to build. Once again, rebuild what had been sacked and burned. I have to allow God. Now here, I'm fixing to take it and put it into your, put it into your, your heart. I have to allow God to inspect me and be brutally honest. And at times it feels brutal. Because God will, now he loves me and I know that. I'm not, he's a father, but he's a father. (laughs) And a good father is going to bring discipline to his children. Not punishment, but discipline. Because discipline is to correct the trajectory of your future. So he shows up in a loving way. And as Jesus said, they said, Lord, uh, in John chapter 15, uh, they were talking about, Lord, change us. And he said, I've already, you're already changed. I've already, I, the words that I spoke to you, they pruned you. As you listen, obey, it cuts, it prunes, it prepares you for whatever you're supposed to step in to do. So I have to allow God to inspect me. I have to open my heart. Stop pointing at this one over here. Well, they're not doing that. Forget about them. Look at the fruit of your own life. What are you producing? What's coming out of you? What's the words that's coming out your mouth? (laughs) It's important for you to take a spiritual inventory of your life and keep your heart open before God. I get it. This is a tangent I'm on, so just hang with me. It's important also to examine and know, how am I doing spiritually? Have you asked this? Have you, how am I really doing? Do I really crave scripture? Well, it's a discipline right now. Of course, but it'll become a delight. Stay faithful to it. It's speaking to you. It's feeding you. How are you spiritually doing? Examine yourself. Am I being consistent with the disciplines of a disciple? It's, it's, it's important. Jesus said when you fast, when you pray, when you give, and how well are you doing with one another? Do you love one another? Are you just love your spouse and your home and nobody else. Is it us four? No more. Examine your heart. You only love when it's convenient. But do you love when it don't work out the way you think it was, when it's, when it's uncomfortable? Because that's, that's, that's Christianity. That's Jesus, if we're talking Christianity. Am I reading? Am I praying? How am I with forgiving others? Am I constantly, am I cynical? Am I critical? Am I, uh, am I bitter? Do, do I have a scowl on my face every time you see me? Am I going to heaven and hating every minute of it? <laughs> right? This is, this is AJ examining AJ. This is like I measure how I love God by how I love people. And I've heard people, and I understand how Pastor Philip would tell me from time to time. There are people that God sends into your life that are grace growers. It's like, yeah, you're right. Because I don't get a choice of who I love. God sends them, and I'm supposed to love, right? All right, moving on. Very convicting for myself right now in this moment. I will repent after we're done. Do I authentically love others as I should? Is there constantly problems when I'm around? Now, this is all spiritual. This is keeping your heart open so God can examine the motives of your heart. You're an open book before him. Is there constantly problems when I'm around? Am I? If there is... Don't check out on me. Am I the common denominator? Some really simplistic spiritual questions. Am I contributing to the problem or have I become the solution? Ah, here's, here's your key. This is how you do. You must stay pliable 
and be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I go back, Sister Frances, when she prayed over my wife and I, God, make them clay in, in, in your hands. That's been a tough, uh, that's been tough in seasons because when you stick to your guns and you know you're doing the right thing, but people still struggle with you and they don't like the decisions that you make, you just have to know, God, I know I did the right thing. I know I said the right thing. I know I made the right decision, but I'm going to stay clay in your hands. I'm not clay in their hands. They're not forming me. I'm not letting anybody form me except you. I'll be the, I'll, I'll be the clay on your will, and you can, form this, you can form this piece of pottery any way you want to. Let me become the fine china that you put on the table and serve. Fill me with that oil that I can minister to more people. Why? It's not about my name. I just want you made famous. How do I do that? I got to keep my heart open. Nehemiah understands this. Look, I've just come through the first point, but I love this story. I love this story so much. Second thing is this. I'm not going to read all of the text, but it's, it's 13 through 17. And the second thing is this, is that as he begins to look around the walls, he starts to establish the truth. But you want to know something? I'm going to give you, I'm going to, just a spoiler. He already knew the truth before he saw the walls. But he had to establish it. Same with you. You've got to establish the truth. Truth is not relative to the person. This culture is teaching us, you got your truth, you got your truth. Well, I believe this and this is my truth. No, you're all wrong if the standard is not Christ. Amen, Pastor AJ, right? He is my standard. I, anybody ever cut wood? Now, let me rephrase that. Anyone ever uh, took a skill saw and cut wood? Cut, cut off pieces of lumber, two-by-fours, whatever it is. Anybody? You can't, it's important to have a standard. Am I right? It's important if I'm not going to measure every board, I'll take one board and I'll cut. But some people, uh, some carpenters are really good and they can just they can keep cutting and they can see it and eyeball it. But what I've always understood is if, if I'm cutting a lot of two-by-fours, if I'm cutting a lot of two-by-sixes or whatever for, for whatever it's going to be, I, I don't want to cut this one, set it aside, uh, or cut this one, set it, use this one as my standard. My first one I cut, cut it. Okay, this is the one I'm going to use. Take it to the next one, mark it. Take it to the next one. What, and I've seen people before that would take the second one that they cut, the third one that they cut, and that would become their measurement. Well, next thing you know, a, a quarter of an inch or an eighth of an inch over time, actually increases. And that's what people do with their spiritual journey with the Lord is that they get rid of the standards. So you have to establish truth is not someone's thought process. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. He is the standard. So for you, as we Dive a little bit deeper. Understand this. What are the facts? I look at, look at Nehemiah. He begins to see, okay, the fact is this wall has been destroyed. The fact is everything is in ruin. What my emotions are telling me is sadness. Everything. Because people are like, oh, I, just, I feel, I feel, I feel. It's great. I got you. But faith is not feelings. Faith is truth. It's connected to truth. You can't connect faith to your feelings. And that's what happens a lot. Nehemiah says, okay, I see the facts of what's happening around me right now. Let me put it into your, let me put it into your court. So what are the facts surrounding your life? Look at it right now. 
Yes, they're real. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's, well, my marriage is in a bad place. Or maybe this is happening over here. But, but the problem is, in all of that, we are living a factual life, and we're not living a supernatural life. We're, we're basing everything on facts. Yes, the fact is, maybe the doctor comes, so comes in and says, there's cancer. All right, I got it. We've heard that so many times. But what is truth? What is the truth? Jesus closes his mouth when Pilate asked that question. Why? He was smart and he was very intelligent. I don't have to explain that to you if you can't see what's standing in front of you. Right? So establish what is a fact from the truth. There's no doubt. He's pro- Nehemiah has probably heard enough words of negativity to discourage anyone from even trying to rebuild these walls. But that's what separates the men and women of great faith from the naysayer. Oh, what I see, what I see. Can you look beyond what you see and see something greater? Because you've got to learn how to do that. That's faith. There is a faith to that. that that's, that's to know I'm going to look beyond the realm of what I see in this world and connect with my spiritual vision. Because God, God will open your eyes and he'll paint on the canvas of your imagination and he'll show you what's to come that revives you and replenishes your strength and gives you, and understand, stop looking to the future without the grace of God in it. That's why so many people struggle with anxiety. That and coffee, it's personal. I just, it's, we're looking to the future and we're trying to, we're, we're trying to establish something into our future that we can do. And, and, and we're leaving God out of the equation. So it leads us to anxiety and worry and fear and depression and, and, and all of these struggles that's happening interna- internally. What has God said? Right? So what are the facts? All right? He sees the facts, but he knows the truth. Do you know the truth? Have you encountered truth? Or has it just been a concept and never become a conviction? Because you understand concepts come and go, but conviction affects every step of my journey. I'll change my life with conviction. Look at all those down through history. Martin Luther King. I have a dream, and it was not just a dream that was a passing concept, but it became a personal conviction because I believe he had a God dream. I believe God showed him something. He showed him a nation that one day, one day, and he gave, he paid for it for his very life. But look what he did. And you can track those throughout history that have done that. Based upon a conviction, what are the facts? Next thing for you, what are the lies? What lies are you believing? The enemy fights to keep you in bad theology or Every one of us are theologians, by the way, just so you know that. When you crack the Bible open and you begin to read, you're studying about God. You want to know him. So every one of us are are theologians, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum. Little to none. The more I feel feel like I I know, the less I really know. I'm like, my goodness. Because he's so vast. He's so great. It's like, man, we'll never figure him out, you know. But the problem is, is he fights us to keep us in bad theology. Or what? Well, that's what grandpa said. And that's what grandma said. Well, that's what mama told me. Well, did you read it for yourself or did you just take their word for it? Listen, don't take my word for it tonight. I'm preaching when I feel like I know God's laid on my heart. But go read it for yourself. Know it for yourself. He wants to keep us there so we can't be free. We believe the lie. We've heard this many a times. You have. When you believe the lie of the enemy, you then empower the liar to take authority over your life. Adam and Eve. They, but She believed. Well, you'll become like God. They were already like God. But they believed the lie. And so 
forfeited their authority, and then all of a sudden, the whole fall of the New Testament, we see, or Old Testament, we see that we're tr- God's trying to redeem us back, and Jesus finally comes and said, let's get back to plan A, all right? We miss it in the garden. Here's the keys. Let's go back to plan A. So what are the lies that you're believing right now? You, and here's how, when the, when, when the Holy Spirit reveals that there's a lie I've been believing, don't fall asleep on me, hang with me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying. When you see the lie, Maybe it's something you've been taught your whole life, but you read Scripture and God unveils it and you see it right. Oh, God, I I didn't see this. Now I see it. What do I do? Well, start at repentance. God, I'm sorry. Be a good repenter. Do that daily. It's important anyway. I do. I'm (laughs) I'm still struggling with eternal insecurity, okay? You know, my roots from where I came from, Pentecost, I, I still struggle from time to time. So uh, it's just like, God, I repent of all the sin, everything, what I thought said and done, I forgive you. But or, or I'm asking God to forgive me. But from this side of it, I'm answering myself. Repent, I forgive you, AJ. Hey, you're, you're good. But I start at the place of repentance. God, forgive me for believing that lie because that's not you and that's not how you are. Your nature's not like that. And so then I revoke it. I revoke that lie that I believed, a place of influence in my mind, will, and emotions, my physical body, my, 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 uh, my, my relationships, my marriage, maybe it might be in that, my finances, uh, whatever it may be, I revoke it. And then I replace it with what the Word says. That's how you do it. You repent, you revoke, and you replace. What does the Word say? That's how you replace the lie. Let me move on. I've, got, I've spent a little bit of time on that. Um, what is truth? What is the truth? And Holy Spirit will tell you every bit of this, all right? Nehemiah has God and the king on his side. That's the truth. He has got the favor of the king. Not that he needed the king, but he did in this process, but he has God on his side. If God be for you, then who can be against you, right? If God be for me, then he's more than the world against me. I've got more than I need. If God said it, I don't care if everybody turns their back and their cheek and both of them against me. Guess what? God has me in his hand and whatever he said, it's going to happen. I've just got, if God hasn't spoke the next word, if he hasn't spoke the proceeding word, what was the preceding word? Because I'm going to stand on that word. That's a promise. It was strong enough that when Peter steps out of the boat, listen what I'm about to tell you. Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on a word. That's how firm that word is. It's so strong. It'll upset. It'll stand you up in the midst of a storm. It'll stand you up in seasons of your life. It'll prop you. He'll wrap you up. And listen, whenever God speaks a word, it comes with its own ability to perform its own self. So all you need to do is just agree. That's it. Well, I can't. What do I need to do? No, no, no. Just stop. Yes, Lord, I agree. And that word begins to carry me. That's how firm the word of Jesus is. Are y'all with me? You asleep tonight? I'm telling you. This is a word for the house right now and for people. Nehemiah has the resources that he needs. He has the workers, but he also has the mats, the materials. And guess what? That's what God looks for when you're believing the truth because he looks around like, I got everything I need. I may need a few more resources from time to time, but guess what? I got everything I need. What do you have in your disposal? Here's the problem with faith, all right? Do you understand that righteousness has been imputed into your account, okay? What does that mean? That means that it doesn't increase or decrease. God, when I become the right, when I, when I get saved, it's, it's put right into my account. All right? It's there. It's been imputed. That's the word. With faith, let's look at it. Many of us, with faith, because he's given us a measure of faith, and the way that faith grows is through test. You have to be tested for that thing to grow and increase. So when I receive faith, God may have spoke that word and said, it's coming, an increase of faith. 
it may, it may be, it's not in my possession, but it's in my account. And you go to the bank, right? You go to the bank and you've got $1.6 million in the bank. It does you no good to be in the bank, but if it's not in your hands, and I'm just declaring that right now. It's like whatever, what's the, what's the magic handshake to get that thing to happen? No, but it may be in my account, but it's not in my possession. So I, I, I need faith. I, I, so how do I get it to, to, to how, what's the process getting it from what he's deposited into my account? Well, there's something I got to do. What's my step? That's how it increases. How do I respond whenever they turn their back on me and say all kinds of manner of evil? Do I love them in return? Um, do I believe that God is the God who said that he can restore, reconcile, and heal all of my, yeah, you know what, go ahead. Do what you need to do. I'm going to believe that God still got me. Guess what? Faith begins to grow. Faith begins to grow. It becomes out of my account, goes into my possession, and I can actually start seeing it in action now, right? All right, I'll move on. So God empowered Nehemiah to rebuild this. And for for you, you have to look and, and know what is the Holy Spirit saying about your problem? Because there's a truth to that. What, think about it right now. The X factor in your life. What is the problem? I, t- I tell our staff all the time, what have I told y'all, Pastor Derek, about problems? Part of it. Here's the other side of that. Don't bring me problems. Bring me a solution. Learn how to become solution-minded. So it's not always, well, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. And that, they don't do that all the time. I'm just saying. We've, we've been taught and trained to not learn how to solve a problem. Here's the, problem. Here's the problem with that. <laughs> you need wisdom. It can't be solved by natural means, but God will deposit something into me to understand it. So he looks around and sees the, the issues and the problems around him, but he comes with a solution. Solution is truth. I know what God has said, and I know what the king has said, and we're going to rebuild this wall. And, I don't, and he didn't know it was going to be in 52 days. I believe he just put his hands to the plow and stopped looking back and said, we're going to see this thing happen. The next part of this It's verse 18, and I'll read this, and it says, this is Nehemiah. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me, and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, because of what he said, he's not the prophet and he's not the priest. Let's arise and build. Because he spoke with conviction, he had a passion, something about this man began to spur them up to say, man, this guy's got a vision. He's seen something. It's not just any vision. We know that there's been a download, a heavenly download into his spirit, and, and, and he's a mover and he's a shaker. So they start moving at this process. Let me, let me tell you, this is the next part of this. You've got to learn how to war with the word of your prophecy. You know how to do that? Get your words written down. Whenever you get a word in this room or when someone gives you a word, first off, what's the fruit of the word? <laughs> you know, nobody ought to be coming and just casting judgment all the way. You're going to hell if you don't stop doing that. Well, I mean, I, if I'm out sleeping around, I understand that. All adulterers and all liars, yeah. But I'm talking about when someone gives you a prophetic word. And uh, many of you, I, I, I love it. I love the feedback that I personally receive because I want to make sure that when we give a word to somebody that it's, it's God himself, but get it on audio. Like, get it on an audio file on your phone so you can go back and listen to it whenever, whenever it's going the opposite direction, whenever your life seems to be taken the wrong way. And war with that word, God, you said, 
It's not reminding like God needs to be reminded. But when you're praying to him, there's something about saying, but God, you told me that this year was going to hold extravagant favor, greater presence, more healings, more sound, whatever it may be. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, God, this is the word that you, and when you repeat it back to him, there's something powerful about that, that God begins to release a strength on you to start enduring. There's just a grace. I don't know how to explain it, but it begins to encourage you and bring you into a place of where you're like, no, it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. So war with the word of your prophecy. Timothy, 1 Timothy, the scripture says this, and this is Paul talking to his spiritual son. He said, this command I trust entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. Listen, that by those you fight the good fight, keeping what? Keeping what? Oh, it's not up there. Keeping faith and a good conscience. And a good conscience. How's your conscience? I'm beating myself up because of what I did last night. Well, have personal, don't, don't walk into condemnation. Let that stuff go. God didn't call you to walk in condemnation. He says, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So war with the word of your prophecy. Goes on to say this here that Nehemiah got the word, had the vision for the people. And it wasn't a personal goal. It wasn't a personal dream. Maybe that's the way it might have started, but something supernatural happens in that, birthed out of suffering and love and pain. And from that, God begins to birth in him a God vision that, that, begins to, that, that starts the whole process of restoration and redemption. Understand that tonight, God's heart is salvation. What does that look like? Healing. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, financially. Delivering and saving. That's what he does. God is a God of redemption. My question to you is what is the God vision he's given you? Not just what's a personal goal. Not just what, what's a personal dream of yours. What's the God dream? What's the God vision that when you lay on your pillow at night... Tears stream down your eyes and soak the pillow because you say, God, something's got to change. There's a passion. There's suffering interlaced with love and a desire to see something shift. Is it birthed from the heart of God? Is it birthed from the heart of man or the mind of man? Where is it from? Is it God? And if you don't have it, you need to get before God and pray, God, I need your vision. Give me your eyes. Help me to see what you're seeing and so I can do. Help me to see what others can't see so that I can do what others say can't be done. But it's birthed from your heart. War with that prophecy. And the last thing is this. In verses 19 and 20, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but whenever the enemy heard, they started mocking. Anybody in this room, you start walking the right path, People start mocking. You ever notice that? It's like, why? Because it's a work of the enemy. Can you believe that? I can't even, why? Why do they even, why do you even try? Why are they trying? And they may even be vocal about it. What I've noticed is that most people hide behind text instead of a phone call or a personal conversation. I'm just saying, because when you meet face to face, you can have that conversation. 
and you can really see. I'm not saying you're kind of explode because we don't know how to have healthy confrontation. Like you don't have to take it from zero to a hundred and lose your stuff and come into a fist fight and everybody walks out crying and mad. No, let's let's talk about this. Let's figure out how do I confront this. Law enforcement have to do it all the time. Right? Hey sir, how are you doing today? I seen you were driving 75 and a 20. I hope you're having a great day. I've got to write you a ticket, though, because they're going to stay healthy in their confrontation. And uh, some try to lie their way out of it. These are not my pants, officer, I promise. I don't know where that crackpot came from, but I did not have that in my pocket when I got up this morning. <laughs> I had to revive you. You're falling asleep on me. But my point in this is to endure the testing of your faith. Nehemiah. Do you not think his faith is being tested as he's walking around? Because God's not walking. God's not, I don't think God's visible right there. I don't think he's just, come on, Nehemiah. And he's like a man. Well, I, I think Nehemiah, just like you and I, we're going about our day and we're facing some of the toughest things that we've ever faced in our life. And we don't have Jesus with skin on with us. But it's in our heart. We're having to listen to the voice of God. And we see with our eyes what it looks like, but we've got to learn to know I'm perceiving it this way, but God has a different total perspective. And I've got to learn how to be seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I mean that about your situation. You want to know how you endure through the testing of faith? You figure out how to get yourself seated with Jesus in heavenly places and start seeing it from heaven to earth instead of from earth to heaven. When you can do that, and I'm not saying I do it great, because the initial, let me say this, Monica, for me, the initial shock, Courtney, of whenever I get information that's bad, I got to be honest, it, 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 I get shook. I mean, it knocks me back. I got some information Monday night, and it took me a few hours. Actually, it took me all of, almost, until Emerson come up and said, what's wrong, Daddy? And I was like, oh, I got to change my tune. She's done seen this now. <laughs> You know, this three-year-old is starting to pick up on what's going on. So I was like, oh, it's all good. And literally, when I said that, everything began to shift. But it took me about four hours. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of, this morning I got up, and I was like, man, I, I was only shook for four hours. Used to be, I'd be shook for 48 hours. Because God's going to bring a test. Let me, let me give you, a, if you're taking notes, and I don't know who he is, let me give you a word. If you don't hear anything else, every word of God must be tested you want that prophetic word you want that next word that takes you to the next level Kina but guess what when that testing comes holy smokes it's rough it is because it has to be tested or it's not it's not a word from God I, I'm, I'm telling you anybody bear witness with that I'm going to tell you right now I have So when the haters begin to hear what Nehemiah is doing, they become a weapon in the hand of the enemy to discourage the plan of God. So what do you need to do? Understand that faith is what we're talking about, but the root of faith is something called trust. And you don't build trust overnight. If we're talking about walls and the firm foundation, your foundation needs to be established with trust. And the only way you build trust is in the secret place. You can't build it in any other way. You get along with the Lord and you start learning His nature. 
you start talking to him and letting him talk back to you the greatest thing beyond knowing God is being known by God getting into the place of prayer and letting him speak to you and when he speaks that word it begins to break you down like a shotgun and you'll hit the floor oh God I see this I hear that I know what you're saying God make me who you want me to be I go back to what what A.W. Tozer said before God uses a man greatly or a woman he wounds them deeply they have to be wounded by the love of God so that nothing else will ever wound them or ever will ever take their heart or will ever steal their focus but they've been wounded by the love of God it's not a bad wounding you're just marked I go back to week the first week you learn brokenness you're broken before the Lord it's not the circumstances of life you just understand you've met the one that you become unraveled and you walk with a limp for the rest of your life because you've encountered God you've encountered him and something's different about your life compared to everybody else you're not just like the rest of the nation of people that say I'm a Christian but they're doing the same thing they did two years ago they're doing the same thing they did three years ago or five years ago whatever it may nothing has ever changed because they've never truly had a real encounter when you encounter him I'm telling you he unravels you because he's holy and he shows you who you truly are and that's why you I'm a oh God have mercy on me a sinner I need you and there's a transformation from 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 sinner to saint and I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace I am a son walking in kingdom that has access to a heavenly father that knows me by name that when he speaks my name there's great favor on my life so that's how when I get along with him in prayer and I begin to pray that's how I begin to interact with him I, I, I sit in the counsel of the Lord and let him declare who I am and stop and break off the word curses from who people want you to be and expect you to be and, and, and desire for you to become to them in their life and it's like no God I'm not their Holy Spirit I'm not their Savior all I am is a son Who what I do is I'm a pastor but what I am is a son I wrote it in my journal this morning when you come into the presence of God, the first thing you need to learn how to do is be. Be. Stop all the, the nonsense. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I, I gotta go over here and I gotta check this out. Now this, it's great. Learn how to be. Sit at the feet of Jesus and become a Mary. I need your revelation. Speak to me, God. Then from that place, out of that place, you start to become. You become what you're supposed to be. And then from that place, you began to do. You begin to do. So be, become, then do. If you've got it backwards, you're out of kilter and your foundation is jacked and it's whack. Start it right. God wants you to have a firm foundation. Stand to your feet. So trust is the root. How well do you trust God? Now we don't know everything there is to know, but as I walk in relationship with God, guess what? Guess what? Whenever something happens, I know his nature. And I know he's not going to leave me. That's why I say it a lot. You ain't going to leave me. You done promised. And my children ain't going to be begging for bread. Because we're faithful to you, God. And we want to be faithful to you. We may miss it from time to time. Trust can weather any storm. Because regardless of what comes, you know all is well. You know everything is well. Am I preaching to anybody in this room tonight? I'm going to tell you something. God's wanting to establish a firm foundation and not just, not just a community of people that are just attenders. He wants you to become something more. He wants you to walk into your sonship. He wants you to walk into your daughterhood. He wants you to experience what it means to become a child of God. Trust is only developed in prayer. It requires you to become 100% vulnerable and transparent before God. 
Remove your mask and let him change you. I'm telling you tonight, and I feel like this is a word. I didn't, I didn't plan to come to this point in the service in this moment and, and, and lead it to right here, but I feel the Lord speaking to identity right now because our identity is wrapped up in what we do. Well, what, what do you do for a job? Well, I am a this. I am a that. And I get the context of that. I truly do. But what, what is your identity? What is it wrapped up in? Nehemiah knew what he was called to do, and he knew who he was. And when he walked into that city and began to examine everything that was taking place, he knew that God was able. He didn't say it in the scripture, but I believe he said, I know that you're able to do exceeding, abundant, beyond anything I can see with my eyes. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.